0: This is episode 341 of the AWS podcast, released on November 10th, 2019. Podcast confirmed.
1: Welcome to the official AWS podcast.
0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS podcast. I'm Lisha here with you. Great to have you back. And of course, it's an update show, which means I must be joined by the inimitable and Nikki Stone. G'day Nikki.
1: Hi, doing good traveling the world still
0: always I think you just got off stream so your voice is pre-broken in
1: yeah I did just get off stream yeah if, if my voice suddenly fades out in the middle of this it's because I've been talking for the last like three hours
0: <laughs> awesome well, we've got a bunch of updates to get through so let's uh, make sure we give someone uh, some of our listeners something cool right the, the goal is to give everyone something they like <laughs> So let's uh, let's let's start with storage. So AWS Snowball Edge now supports offline software updates for Snowball Edge devices that are air gapped. So if you're not familiar with the Snowball Edge device, it is basically something that's designed to help move large data sets to the cloud when you don't have adequate network bandwidth for transfers. It also lets you run Amazon EC2 instances for edge computing in remote, disconnected and harsh environments. Uh, Ships is often a place that people like to put them. Uh, Now, obviously, uh, these aren't always going to be network connected or sometimes intentionally need to be run in an air-gapped environment. And so now you can do what are called offline updates, where you basically download the software update from a client machine, that does have a connection to the internet and then you connect it into the Snowball Edge device and you can update it there. So a nifty little change. Let's move on. I always on think to-
1: about Antarctica, <laughs> like doing research in Antarctica, yeah, look totally. like some snowballs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> snowballs in Antarctica. It's a good thing. Let's uh, let's talk computer. A bunch of updates here. One that I'm super excited about is the Amazon EC2 high memory instances now have up to 24 terabytes of memory. That's a lot of memory so you can now get 18 terabytes and 24 terabytes which joins the family that previously had six nine and 12 terabytes of memory uh, you also get access to increased storage bandwidth so if you're using the new 18 or 24 terabyte ones you get double the amount of dedicated storage bandwidth than existing sizes so 28 gig gigabits per second i should say of total bandwidth you also get your um, high throughput low latency ena network connection you get up to 100 gig of total aggregate network bandwidth. And these are also the first instances that have an eight socket platform with second generation Intel Xeon scalable Cascade Lake processes. So very useful.
1: Uh, next up is introducing availability of Amazon EC2A1 bare metal instances. So they are now available and similar to all other A1 instances, the new A1 bare metal instances are powered by AWS Gravitron processors that feature 64-bit ARM Neoverse cores and custom silicon design by AWS. Uh, So these A1 bare metal instances can provide your applications with direct access to the processor and memory resources of the underlying server, and they're ideal for workloads that need to run in non-virtualized environments for licensing or support requirements. Windows Nodes are now supported by Amazon EKS. Uh, So full support for Windows Nodes. So previously EKS supported running Windows Nodes as part of a public preview. Uh, Kubernetes version 1.14 includes production level support for adding Windows Nodes as worker nodes and scheduling Windows containers. And now EKS officially supports Windows Nodes for all clusters running version 1.14 and above. Amazon ECS now supports ECS image Sha tracking. This one's pretty interesting. Uh, so ECS enables you to correlate container images pulled from ECR with scheduled tasks and where it is running on EC2 or Fargate. And now you have visibility and an immutable attribute to identify where your container image has been deployed to track application adoption, incident response, and lifecycle management. Um, so that's that, I think that's really cool. And you can um, you can even.
0: I was going to say, is this a is this a precursor to a new movie called Dude, Where's My Container?
1: yeah it actually is totally uh that's exactly what they were going for
0: (laughs) and there's been an update to the AWS service application model or sam which uh, now supports some additional capabilities you can have api gateway resource policies so this is a syntax to add resource policies for the apis in a template Uh, you can now whitelist or blacklist users based on AWS accounts ip addresses or source vpcs There's also now the ability to add the SQS subscription property for SNS topic events, triggering a Lambda function. So this means that the SNS topic will instead publish to an SQS queue created by SAM and the Lambda function will now receive events from the SQS queue. Um, Lots of power to be had in SQS and SNS. If you have never spent time with those services, I highly recommend you do. Uh, You can also now have a simplified way to add Cognito as an event source for Lambda functions and to customize the Amazon Cognito user pool flows as well. And you can also fiddle with the maximum batching window property, which relates to the property used for Kinesis and DynamoDB event sources. Speaking of queues and other things, you can also queue your EC2RI purchases as well. And what this means is it makes it a bit easier to execute your purchases in the future. So you can do like a sort of a, well, a single planning effort if you like, but then put your purchases further out, which is kind of nifty.
1: Moving on to the topic of networking, AWS Direct Connect announces the support for granular cost allocation and removal of payer ID restriction for Direct Connect Gateway Association, So prior to this granular cost allocation support, data transfer out charges for private and transit virtual interfaces were allocated to the AWS account that owns the private transit virtual interface. The new granular cost allocation feature will allocate data transfer out charges to the AWS account responsible for the data transfer. And the introduction of this granular cost allocation will not change the cost per gigabyte to use AWS Direct Connect. And then along with this introduction of the granular cost allocation, they've also removed the payer ID restriction for Direct Connect Gateway Association. Up until this point, AWS accounts owning Direct Connect Gateway and Virtual Private Cloud slash AWS Transit Gateways had to be under the same payer ID. um, But now the payer ID restriction has been removed. So you can associate your VPC's Transit Gateways from any AWS account to a Direct Connect Gateway owned by any AWS account. And AWS Direct Connect was not finished. They also announced the Resiliency Toolkit to help customers order resilient connectivity to AWS. Uh, so they they had the enhanced they enhanced the AWS Management Console and added support for the Connection Wizard as part of the Resiliency Toolkit. And the Connection Wizard, if you're not aware, provides AWS customers the ability to achieve high resilient network connections between AWS and their on-prem infrastructure. And the use of the Connection Wizard. Wizard lets you order dedicated connections to meet your SLA needs, and you can select a resiliency model, and then the connection wizard will guide you through the dedicated connection ordering process. Um, so the following resiliency models are available: maximum resiliency, high resiliency, development, and test. Yeah, this is really, and, you know, the connection. This, wizard,
0: this is really, yeah. cool. this is really cool, isn't it? Because you can sort of basically say, He's here's the endpoint I want to get to now. Go build what I need." rather than having to kind of figure out the variables. So it kind of uh, makes that predictable outcome much easier to get to.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of benefits to it too.
0: For sure. Amazon VPC Traffic Mirroring now supports AWS Cloud Formations. So if you're not familiar with Traffic Mirroring, it's a, a feature that lets you get uh, insight into the network traffic across your VPC. And now you can... Uh, set that up using CloudFormation, which I know a lot of folks like to do. And the ALB and NLB, our load balancers, now have support for new security policies for forward secrecy with more stringent protocols and ciphers. So now you can really lock down which ciphers you're comfortable with allowing. Uh, You can either use a more permissible model or a less permissible model. And uh, there's a a new one that's the most restrictive to date, which supports uh, TLS 1.2 only and includes only ECDHE PFS. Perfect forward secrecy and SHA-256 or stronger uh, ciphers as well. So you can really lock that stuff down. Let's move on to databases. Uh, Amazon RDS on VMware is now generally available. So this is a service that lets you run uh, AWS managed relational databases in on-premises VMware environments. So if that's something you've wanted to do, it is now generally available and it will support Microsoft SQL Server, MySQL and Postgres database engines in your own data center. Another change on the RDS side is detailed backup storage billing, which is very cool. So now you can get a far more detailed billing report at the database instance level. And this is available both for the automated database backups and manual database snapshots. And you can see this in the AWS Cost Explorer and the Cost and Usage Report as well. So you can keep track, charge back, and understand what your protection regime costs you as well. And finally, from a, a, an RDS update perspective, uh, RDS for Postgres now supports minor version 11.5, 10.10, 10, 9.6.15, 9.5.19, and 9.424. And even more importantly, it now has a transportable database feature. And this is really useful for providing you with a fast and convenient method of data import and export between databases, which is something we tend to do on a regular basis as IT professionals. So by using a new extension called PG transport, large databases can be quickly migrated between RDS Postgres instances. And it's available for Postgres SQL versions, 10.10, 11.5 and newer as well. So pretty nifty and also bonus, Uh, We've also added support for PostGIS 2.5 for all supported major versions. So this helps uh, with uh, multi-major version upgrades to be performed with the PostGIS extension. So for example, you can go from 9.4.24 straight to 11.5 in one go. That transportable database feature is pretty freaking cool.
1: It's nice. Moving on, Amazon ElastiCache launches self-service updates for Memcached and Redis cache clusters, Uh, as you can now use ElastiCache self-service updates to apply updates on Memcached and Redis cache clusters, in addition to Redis replication groups at the time of your choosing and track the progress in real time. Amazon DocumentDB, with MongoDB compatibility, has added additional aggregation pipeline capabilities, including $lookup. Um, So Amazon DocumentDB with MongoDB compatibility, if you're not aware, is a fast, scalable, highly available, and fully managed document database service that supports MongoDB workloads. Um, They have been moving to continue to increase compatibility, and today they've added support for additional aggregation pipeline compatibility. Capabilities that allow you to compose powerful aggregations over your documents. And the new capabilities are the dollar sign $LOOKUP and dollar sign $ADD FIELDS aggregation pipeline stages, as well as the dollar sign $Concat Arrays aggregation pipeline operator.
0: Very nice. A couple of uh, updates to Amazon Neptune. It now supports streams to catch a graph. To capture, I should say, graph data changes. So this is an easy way to change to capture any changes to your graph database. Uh, it means it logs those changes, such so a change log data, basically as it happens, which means you can start to f- um, feed that through to things like a, a Lambda or other process that needs to track it on in real time. You can send it across to a different region or another service like Elasticsearch or Elasticache or S three. It really adds a lot more options into what you do. And also Amazon Neptune now supports Sparkle 1.1 federated query. So this is a new way that you can query your data and the tool supports it well. I've had a bit of a play with Amazon Neptune of late. It is a very powerful and a very different way to think about your data. Uh, It kind of takes me back to the old IMS mainframe days for for the older ones amongst us who are listening. But let's talk talk new and cool. And Nikki, it's got to be you talking about developer tools.
1: All right, moving on to the topic of developer tools. AWS CodePipeline has enabled setting environment variables on AWS CodeBuild build jobs. Um, So you can now set environment variables for your build jobs in your pipeline. Previously, you could only use environment variables defined in the build project config or build spec file. Um, But now when building for different environments and stages, you can set environment variables directly through CodePipeline and you can reuse the same build project for multiple actions simplifying deployments to staging and production environments in your pipeline. I mean, you can view the environment variables used for your build in the pipeline execution history alongside all the other action config details. That one's pretty cool. Um, And then lastly, AWS CodePipeline adds execution visualization to pipeline execution history. Um, So you can view visualizations of past pipeline executions in CodePipeline. Previously, you were only able to see information about actions that ran in a failed pipeline execution. But now when an execution fails, you will also see the actions that did not run, enabling easier debugging of pipeline failures. And when your pipeline has concurrent executions, you're now able to view visualizations of the individual executions making the understanding of the status of an execution much easier.
0: We like it much easier. Let's move on to analytics and some really interesting updates for Amazon Redshift. Firstly, we introduce AZ64, which is a new compression encoding for optimized storage and high query performance. Now, this is a new innovation. It's a pri- proprietary compression encoding that's designed to give you a high compression ratio without sacrificing performance. And it really results in some significant storage savings in most cases relative to LZO or ZX. STD encodings. And it also gives you very good decompression performance as well, specifically around numeric and date time data stored. So it's not just about the, incre- the encryption, the encoding, it's also about the decoding or the compression decompression. So as an example, when compared to raw encoding, AZ-64 consumed 60 to 70% less storage and was 25 to 30% faster. If you're using LZO, it was 35% less storage and was 40% faster. So we like uh, things that are faster and take up less storage. Now, of course, these were uh, numbers for a full workload and you might get even better results based upon your particular use case. Your mileage will always vary. However, it's definitely an encoding approach you should look at if you're looking to both increase your performance and reduce your storage footprint. And speaking of storage footprint, Amazon Redshift has also improved the performance of inter-region snapshot transfers. And what this allows you to do is to copy snapshots across regions in orders of magnitude faster than what was achievable earlier this year. In fact, we've seen up to 40,000 megabits per second transfer rates happening. So this means you can Ow. move things across. Yeah, it's, it's it means we can move more data much more quickly. Um, lots more detail in the post about this, but um, short short answer is you can copy faster.
1: <laughs> Amazon Elasticsearch service provides an option to mandate HTTPS. I like this one. Uh, so Amazon Elasticsearch service, yeah, now lets you configure your domains to require that all traffic be submitted over HTTPS so that you can ensure that communications between your clients and your domain are encrypted. You can also configure the minimum required TLS version to accept. And this option is a useful, you know, additional security control to ensure your clients are not misconfigured. Amazon Athena now provides an interface VPC endpoint. Uh, So you can now connect directly to Athena through an interface VPC point in your VPC. Um, You can submit your queries to Athena securely without requiring an internet gateway in your VPC. Love it when they add new VPC endpoints.
0: It's best. Yeah, it's very cool. And uh, Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose now has cross-account delivery to Amazon Elasticsearch service. So this means your delivery stream and your Elasticsearch clusters can reside in different accounts. So this makes it really easy for customers who use Amazon Elasticsearch service with multiple accounts to ingest streaming data and analyze it in near real time. If you haven't played with Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose, it's a super simple way to send data to S3, to Redshift and Elasticsearch, as well as Splunk. So it's just super simple to set up. It scales itself and you just pump the data in where it needs to go. This makes it easier to plug it all together. And uh, the Kinesis Data Firehose now also has support for data stream delivery to Amazon Elasticsearch Service 7.x clusters as well. So you can get the latest and greatest stuff. Speaking of latest and greatest, Amazon QuickSight has also announced some data source sharing, table transpose, new filtering and analytical capabilities. So now you can you can transpose rows and columns on table charts, which means you can swap the orientation and get different views. The SPICE dashboards now support new wildcard filters on dimensions so you can get different views based on contains, start with, end with, equals, et cetera. Also, you can now aggregate your visuals by statistical calculations such as the nth percentile. And I know you and I, Nikki, are big fans of the 99 Ninth percentile and all that sort of stuff versus averages. You can also do medians and standard deviations. So lots of new features all built into the service. No additional cost for these. They're just part of the improvements.
1: Glue now provides the ability to use custom certificates for JDBC connections. Um, So you can now use custom certificates in AWS Glue when using JDBC connections to connect to your data sources from Glue ETL jobs and crawlers. So previously you were only able to use the default certificates supported by Glue and you might need custom certificates because you already obtained a certificate from a third-party issuer or because the default certificates supported by Glue do not meet your requirements. Now you can. You can now expand your Amazon MSK clusters and deploy new clusters across two availability zones. Uh, So you can expand your clusters and create clusters with brokers into availability zones in all the regions where Amazon MSK is available. And this new capability allows your MSK cluster to scale out as your business grows by dynamically increasing the number of brokers within a cluster. And the use of two AZ clusters is a good option for customers who already run Apache Kafka brokers in two AZs or use a replication factor of two by default. And lastly, Amazon EMR adds support for Spark 2.4.4, Flink 1.8.1, and the ability to reconfigure multiple master nodes. So with Amazon EMR release 5.27.0, you can now reconfigure your multi-master clusters on the fly without needing to recreate your cluster. EMR 5.23 added the capability to run multiple master nodes, helping you protect your long running clusters that run important data pipelines, streaming apps, or HBase clusters from the potential loss of a master node. EMR also gives the ability to reconfigure running clusters, which allows you to change configuration using the EMR console, CLI, and SDK. And with EMR release 5.27.0, you can now reconfigure your running multiple master node clusters, allowing you to easily change the EMR application config in your running cluster without having to recreate it.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. Really nice. Good change. Uh, Let's talk about IoT, the Internet of Things. There are two new solution accelerators for IoT, Greengrass Machine Learning Inference to a later extract, transform and load. So these are ways that you can quickly build, test and develop IoT solutions that include ETL type activities, and also tools that interface into the machine learning inference solution as well. So you've got lots of options in terms of building stuff on the edge. Another new capability that I'm super excited about is that AWS IoT Core now has the ability to retrieve data from DynamoDB using rule SQL. So what this means is you simply use a function in the SQL statement of your rule within AWS IoT Core, which has an amazing rules engine that lets you do a whole lot of stuff. And then you can actually do a select to either enrich your message payload or in the where clause, to get more information to evaluate with amazing stuff that you can do with it. But an, an example the team's given us, cause I think it's a really relevant one is now, for example, you can monitor a motor's performance by tracking the motor's reported amperage readings and the belt speed of the motor, which is reported by a different sensor and can be stored in a DynamoDB table. If the motor's amperage reading is above the threshold and the belt speed is close to zero, an SNS action can be triggered to notify the technician that the motor is likely stuck. Now, this is only possible because you're bringing together multiple sources of information. In the past, that would be tricky. Now, it's literally one line of SQL, which is nice. And finally, the PSOC62 prototyping kit is now qualified for Amazon Free Artos. So if this is a piece of hardware that you are interested in, and it is a really interesting low-cost hardware platform that lets you um, do a a whole lot of design and debugging, that is the place to look.
1: Moving on to the topic of customer engagement, Amazon Pinpoint has added support for message templates. Uh, So Pinpoint added support for enhanced message templates. You can create templates for email messages, push notifications, and SMS messages for all of your Amazon Pinpoint projects. And message templates help you design, manage, and reuse your messaging content in an easy and effective manner. Moving on to end-user computing, Amazon AppStream 2.0 has added support for 4K Ultra HD resolution on two monitors and 2K resolution on four monitors. Four monitors, insane. So Amazon AppStream 2.0 supports 4K Ultra HD resolution on two monitors and 2K resolution on four four monitors. And for any AppStream 2.0 instance, you can use up to four monitors with a maximum display of 2560 by 1600 per monitor. Graphics instance type support use of up to two 4K monitors. And to use this feature, you must start your streaming session with the AppStream 2.0 Windows client. And also, you must use an AppStream 2.0 image that uses a version of the AppStream 2.0 agent released on or after September
0: 23rd. Very nifty. And Amazon AppStream 2.0 also now has support for FIPS 140 2 compliant endpoints. So if that's a, uh, a- requirement of your environment, you now have access to that. And you can then, of course, ask your boss for those four uh, screens to test the uh, ability to stream across uh, four monitors, just like uh, just like we all have. Have you
1: ever used four <laughs> monitors before? That's crazy. That's,
0: a, that's fantastic. And uh, Amazon Chime now supports screen sharing from Mozilla Firefox and Google Chrome without a plugin or extension. Uh, so now Ooh. if you're running, uh, yeah, it's pretty nifty. If you're running a uh, Firefox version 66 and higher or Chrome version 72 and higher, you can now get native screen share uh, approaches without any plugin, which is nice. So let's move on to the topic of machine learning. So Amazon Translate now has support for seven new languages, Greek, Romanian, Hungarian, Ukrainian, Vietnamese, Thai, and Urdu. So the list continues. In fact, we have now 987 language pairs that you can uh, convert between, which is very nice. And Amazon SageMaker now has some new instance types. This is the MLP3DN24XLarge instance types. So this is useful for distributed machine learning with up to four times the network bandwidth of the 16XLarge instance types. In summary, a whole honking bunch of processing capability, which means you can Train your models much faster. Uh, sometimes there's no substitute for horsepower is there,
1: No. This one is interesting. SageMaker notebooks now support diffing. So you can now compare and view differences between two notebooks that are version controlled with Git in SageMaker. Love this one. Jupyter notebooks, which, are, which SageMaker notebooks are built upon, are stored as JSON documents, oh. which include tags and metadata, making it difficult to diff with traditional line-by-line text diffing tools. Uh, so now you can do that. Amazon Lex has added support for checkpoints in Session APIs. Uh, So this support now makes it easier to manage conversation flows. Session APIs allow you to manage a dynamic conversation on the client by defining the dialogue state, slot values, prompts, and attributes. And with the addition of checkpoint support, you can now remember a point in the conversation. And this also allows you to easily switch to an appropriate point in the conversation after a digression.
0: Very nice. Amazon SageMaker Ground Truth now has built in workflows for the verification and adjustment of data labels. So, this allows you to make sure that um, ML practitioners can improve the accuracy of their labeled data by auditing the workflow. So, the audit workflow lets a group of reviewers verify the accuracy of the labels. This is a process called label verification, and they can also adjust them using a process called label adjustment. And so these built-in workflows lets you chain into an existing Amazon SageMaker grand truth labeling job or a verification or adjustment job. So it just improves the quality of the inputs that you have. The AWS Chatbot now supports notification from AWS config. So this lets it, makes it very easy for you to get notifications from AWS config into your team Slack channel and your chime chat rooms, et cetera. So if you're doing chat ops, this makes it even easier for you to do so. And finally, AWS deep learning containers now support PyTorch. Uh, So uh, these are are containers that are Docker images pre-installed with deep learning frameworks that make it very easy to get up and running. And Docker images for training and inference with PyTorch are now available as well. You can get them through Amazon ECR free of charge and you only pay for the resources that you use. Uh, You can also deploy them on Amazon SageMaker, the Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service, self-managed Kubernetes or Amazon EC2 and ECS as well. So if you're in that world, it's a quickest way to get up and running.
1: Moving on to the topic of application integration, AWS Step Functions expands Amazon SageMaker service integration as you can automate the execution and deployment of end-to-end machine learning workflows using AWS Step Functions enhanced integration with SageMaker. Uh, So Step Functions obviously allows you to build resilient workflows using services like Glue, Lambda, SageMaker, and they added SageMaker support actually last year, but they've continued to expand upon it and amp it up so that you can really like bulk up your machine learning workflows. So now with the enhanced integration, users can automate machine learning using serverless workflows, and you can now perform hyperparameter tuning custom labeling jobs, and deploy machine learning models to the cloud. Step functions coupled with SageMaker can increase the productivity of your data science teams and operate machine learning pipelines at scale in production. And this one, I like this one. Amazon EventBridge now supports AWS Cloud CloudFormation. Yay! <laughs> we're happy about this one. So if you're not familiar with EventBridge, it's a serverless event bus that delivers a stream of real-time data from event sources, including many third-party SaaS applications like Zendesk, Datadog, and PagerDuty, and routes that data to targets like Lambda or anywhere else you'd like it to go. And you can set up routing rules to determine where to send your data to build application architectures that react in real-time to all of your data sources. So you can really use it to make event-driven applications because it takes care of event ingestion, delivery, security, authorization, and error handling. And now we have it in CloudFormation, which is so great.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Amazon API Gateway now supports access logging to Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose, which of course we spoke about earlier. So now it's easy to configure the Data Firehose as a log destination by enabling access logging on an API and specifying the Firehose stream. So this means you can feed that data into locations where you might want to use for troubleshooting. So obviously uh, Redshift, Elasticsearch, uh, third-party tools like Splunk just makes it easy to plug and go. Let's move on to the topic of management and governance. AWS Backup now has enhanced the SNS notifications to filter on job status. So now you can basically uh, receive notifications based on the status of your backup, restore and recovery point jobs. This allows you to directly filter for certain job status types like Failed backups. So rather than you having to figure out the status from the message, you can filter on the type, which is a really nice addition to a tool that makes it very easy in a central way to back up things like storage gateway, to back up DynamoDB, RDS databases, EFS, um, storage gateway volumes, as I mentioned, EBS volumes, all the kind of stuff you'd wanna back up, you can. And AWS managed services console now supports search and usage based filtering to improve change type discovery. So this is a service called uh, AMS, which uh, gives you some uh, ability to really manage your environment in a slightly different way. And often if if you've had to manage an existing environment and you've moved into AWS, this is a service that can really help with that. This update to the console has made it much easier for you to see what's going on. So it was based on direct feedback from customers saying, Hey, I want more visibility in these ways. So you now can slice and dice things a little differently. And speaking of consoles, the AWS console mobile application now has federated login for iOS. So now you can log in using Federation. Uh, Now, if you haven't used the console mobile application, it lets you view and manage a select set of resources to support incident response whilst on the go. And the login process leverages biometrics authentication where it's supported devices and login methods. And it makes it really easy and quick to manage stuff. And I have to say, I used this whilst I was waiting to enter a movie not two weeks ago when I had to fix something very quickly. I had it on my phone and I used it and it worked. Who would have thought?
1: I love I love that mobile application because I've also used it to check on something (laughs) fast. Yeah. Moving on to the topic of media, announcing the new AWS Elemental Media Convert features for accelerated transcoding, dash, and AVC video quality. So Elemental Media Convert has added support for several new features, including improved video quality with single and multi-pass. HQ encoding for H264, expanded accelerated transcoding capabilities, and the on-demand profile for dash output groups. So with improvements to single pass HQ and multi-pass HQ using AVC, better video quality can be achieved compared to previous outputs without increasing the peak bitrate or the same VQ can be achieved with a lower peak bit rate and greater compression efficiency reduces storage delivery costs and improved VQ increases viewer satisfaction. Sounds pretty great. <laughs> there's, a, there's some more stuff here. Accelerated transcoding has two new features. First, the ability to frame capture JPEG files for jobs with accelerated transcoding enabled, generating thumbnails for video outputs that can be used for metadata or other purposes with the benefit of faster turnaround times. In addition, accelerator transcoding has a new preferred mode where jobs that don't qualify for acceleration fall back to standard transcoding mode rather than failing. And this eases operations as transcoding jobs are resubmitted automatically without any intervention. And then finally, the on-demand profile is available to DASH, which is dynamic adaptive streaming over HTTP output groups. And to use it, simply set the MPD, Manifest profile to on-demand instead of main, which increases the compatibility with Dash players and Dash-capable devices, broadening your streaming options.
0: A bunch of, bunch of good updates there. Let's move on to security and a whole range of things to talk about here. Firstly, Amazon Cognito has increased its cloud formation support. So now you can uh, securely and automatically configure a hosted UI domain, configure customization of hosted UI, configure an identity provider. Uh, configure the behavior of, of advanced security features, configure resource servers, all from within cloud formation. So that's a good thing. Amazon Inspector expands CIS benchmark support for Windows 2016. Uh, Inspector is an amazing tool that lets you go out and see uh, if your ed, your systems, your EC2 instances are adhering to best practices and can notify you when things are vulnerable, which is something you want to know. And the AWS firewall manager now supports management of Amazon VPC security groups. So now you can control uh, those virtual firewalls that control access to your instances for both inbound and outbound traffic. So by having it all in the one place, you have a single pane of glass to look at everything. And finally, Amazon Guard Duty adds three new threat detections. The first is an S3 related detection. Uh, which informs you if S3 block public access was disabled for an S3 bucket on your account, which is very useful. There in the next one is uh, the S3 server access logging disabled. So if someone has turned off the server access logging and there's also the metadata DNS rebind for EC2 which also helps you understand if someone's trying to conduct some form of nefarious DNS rebinding in a way to try and get metadata from your instance or doing something else they shouldn't be doing. Uh, If you're not running Amazon Guard Duty, you definitely should. It's literally a checkbox and it just gives you all manner of dynamic protection in your environment. In fact, I I don't know if I've told this story before, but I was actually doing some work on the AWS account for the AWS podcast, of all things, whilst on a plane and whilst I was on the plane, because we had internet on the plane, guard duty detected that I had never logged in from that plane before, <laughs> which is kind of nice. So wow. uh, I got a notification to my phone saying, hey, something's going on here that I haven't seen before. And I thought, yes, working as designed.
1: <laughs> Moving on to the topic of blockchain, a new quick start deploys Amazon managed blockchain. So this quick start will deploy a managed blockchain network on AWS in about 15 minutes, And it's for users who want to build and participate in decentralized apps shared across a consortium of members using our managed blockchain
0: service. And speaking of the topic of AWS Quick Starts, uh, there's a new Quick Start that deploys Tipco Jasper Reports server on AWS. And Jasper Reports is, is a tool that a lot of our customers like to run. So this will get you up and going in about 35 minutes. I really like these Quick Starts because they get you going, they give you the framework, they give you enough to get up and running and be useful. However, you can also then customize the templates for your own purposes. So uh, you may want to deploy it in, in multiple different modalities in your own organization. You take the quick start, use that as a CloudFormation template, and then you start working on that. So it makes things pretty quick and easy, doesn't it, Nikki?
1: Yeah, it really does. I really like the quick starts, too. Moving over to the topic of training, new training courses teach new APN partners to better help their customer. So AWS Training Insert has updated one partner course and added another to its training portfolio. And they made major updates to their course called AWS Solutions Training for Partners. And they're introducing a new course called AWS Solutions Training for Partners Foundation's public sector business, and the new course is designed specifically to help new APN partners identify customer opportunities and build their businesses on AWS new courses available to help you grow and accelerate your AWS cloud skills. They're announcing two new public classroom courses. AWS Cloud Practitioner Essentials has been updated, which is based off of architecting on AWS. And Accelerator is also a new course based on two of their existing architectural courses. And lastly, there's a new digital course on Coursera, AWS Fundamentals Migrating to the Cloud. Uh, So Training Insert has launched AWS fundamentals migrating to the cloud that's exclusively available on Coursera.
0: Nice. And training is always important because it keeps your skills sharp and keeps you up to date. It also helps you track if you've been keeping track of what's going on in terms of the capabilities of the different services and the architectural patterns, et cetera. And doing your certifications helps you signal to employers, to your own employer, to yourself that you're tracking okay. And actually, um, Nikki, I, d- I did my. Um, my uh, AWS uh, security specialist certification exam just uh, yesterday. Did you pass? I did. Um, I wouldn't tell you about it if I hadn't. Wow. Um, but, <laughs> but it was good. It was really good to sort of challenge my thinking about how I might solve certain problems and uh, you know, how to how to interpret different scenarios. So it was a, it was a good little course. Definitely recommend uh recommend
1: How many do you have under your belt now?
0: I've got seven now. So uh, I haven't got the whole wow. set. I'm not trying to be a completist. I'm just doing the ones that uh, fit with what I need to do. <laughs> how many have you got?
1: Uh, one. Oh, come
0: on. Just one. Just the one.
1: You know what? Like, <laughs> is, I don't have a lot of time.
0: <laughs> Fair, <laughs> call. Cool. I'll get another one eventually. Oh, I'm I, sure. Look, you could walk in and probably get three done in the, in the one day if you tried. That's true. That's what a lot of people do at reInvent. <laughs> they just go on a, uh, go on a certification frenzy.
1: Should I go do that. But if I have time, <laughs> Yeah, because well, you've got lots of spare time at reinvent,
0: eh? Hey? Exactly. And last topic, last topic is the topic of public data sets. I'm super passionate about this one because I just love seeing data made freely available so that people can get access to it and use it for cool new things. 11 new or updated public data sets are available in a bunch of categories in astronomy. There's the Kepler mission data, which is really cool. There's data in biology, computer vision, disaster recovery, including the emergency response imagery from NOAA. There's environmental data, including the SILAM air quality from the Finnish Meteorological Institute. There's a whole bunch of geospatial data that's been updated for some new coverage in the US and there's healthcare data from MIT, which is the MIMIC 3 critical care database from MIT. This is a really great program because basically it democratizes access to data by making it available for analysis on AWS and the AWS public data set program covers the cost of storage for publicly available high value cloud optimized data sets. And so if yeah it's really handy to just you know when you need to enrich data or do some research it's it's a it's a go to that's for sure
1: Lastly in the topic of robotics AWS RoboMaker introduces support for ROS 2 in a beta release so ROS stands for robot operating system and they've now added support for ROS 2 in its beta release ROS 2 expands ROS's use cases with increased security quality of service support for embedded systems and real-time scenarios ROS2 is built on top of DDS, an industry data connectivity standard that provides discovery, serialization, and transportation. And customers can now develop and test their robot apps in AWS RoboMaker with ROS2 dashing through the AWS Management Console, the SDK, CLI, and all of our APIs.
0: It's very nice, and it's not ready for production use. This is a, a beta beta test at the moment. Um, beta means beta, and we do plan to conclude the beta program in the second half of twenty twenty. So, if you're planning stuff, that will help you do your timeframes. It's another big one, Nikki, wasn't it? How do people? Uh, how do people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I probably won't be on Twitch as much anymore since I've now moved roles, but Twitter would be the best place to reach me. I do answer all of my DMs there, amazingly so.
0: And what are you and you've got the you've got the cool funky hipster uh, user yeah. ID on it? Tell, so tell tell spell it out.
1: Type knee like a knee K N E E and then a key, like a key to your house, key twenty three, knee key twenty
0: three. Cool. And we do love to get your feedback. Share the word. AWS podcast at amazon.com is a place to do that. We do answer every single email that gets sent to us. And uh, please tell others about the podcast. Uh, it's still not discovered by many people. It's available on pretty much every podcatcher that's out there. And of course, on our old friend, the RSS feed. And uh, Nikki, good to talk to you again.
1: Right. Great to talk to you. And you know, that for the people that were concerned I was going to leave the podcast, so I could never leave
0: Simon. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. And until next time, Keep on building.